this is your first Sunday back in a while, we're going through the Gospel of John, and uh, we're going to spend the rest of the month of October on John chapter 3. This is just such an amazing passage of Scripture uh, with some of the most famous verses of all time ever written. And so with that, we're going to read verses 1 through 21 this morning, but we're not going to get through the whole passage. Uh, we'll do the other half next Sunday. So we'll get to about uh, verse 12 to 13 today, and we'll pick up the second half next Sunday. And with that in mind, Christian, would you hear the word of the Lord to us this morning? This is John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Christian, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Would you be seated and keep your Bible open as we pray and dive into John chapter 3. Holy Spirit, uh, you need to be here. Uh, We need you, Spirit. Uh, to move, to reveal the Father to us, to open up our minds to the teaching of your Son. And Father, we pray uh, that we would hoist our sails and be carried along by your Spirit as you see fit. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to your Spirit's movement. Father, for your glory and in the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Well, as we dive into John chapter 3, I do have a, a question for you, and I need you to think about it. Can an old man 
change his mind. <laughs> Wives, can your husbands at a ripe old age change their minds easily? Uh, can a proud person easily admit they missed it all along? How hard is it to really come to faith in Jesus? Well, think about it this way. Jeremiah, the old prophet, says it this way. Can the leopard change his spots? Jesus, trying to explain what it means to know God, says it this way. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The passage goes on and says this. When the disciples heard Jesus say this, they were greatly astonished. And they said, well, then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can a successful, proud person admit they missed it all along? Can an old man change his mind? I don't know if you know the name Pinto Colvig. Anyone ever take the Jacksonville trolley? You'll learn about Pinto Colvig. He's Jacksonville's native son. He was the original voice of Goofy. I will not attempt a Goofy voice, you know, but the Disney character Goofy, he was the original Goofy. Uh, he's from Jacksonville. He was born in the 1800s. He was also grumpy and sleepy in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, and he was also famously Bozo the Clown. He was the original Bozo the Clown. His house is just up the street from Good Bean Coffee. Uh, but when he talks about, later on in his life, he talked about how did he come up with all of these characters, especially Grumpy and Goofy, his, his two most famous characters. Uh, you know what Pinto Colvig said? I'll give you his quote. He said, I put all the hicks in the world into Goofy and all the mean old codgers of Jacksonville into Grumpy. <laughs> so you could say it this way. Can a mean old codger from Jacksonville, no less, be made completely new within? Be honest, how much hope do you have for your parents that they're going to finally see the light? With man and cable news, this is impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are possible. So I guess what I'm really driving at, and I hope what you're hearing, right, is can you change? Can you change? It's not a matter of, you know, being smart enough. I mean, Nicodemus is certainly smart. He's a ruler. Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel, meaning that not only was Nicodemus probably on the Sanhedrin, you know, the, the most important 70 people in Israel, he was probably called the teacher of Israel because he knew more than anybody. And if you think he's literally asking Jesus if he's supposed to get back into his mom's womb, I don't know if you understand sarcasm. Some of you caught that. But think about it. Here we have an old man steeped in the Old Testament who is praised constantly. He's the teacher of Israel. And Jesus comes to him and says, unless you start all over again, unless you admit you've got nothing to bring to the table, 
unless you are willing to be born again from above, to go through the process a Gentile would have to go through. Unless you can do that, you'll never know what God is doing in the world. You'll never see the kingdom. You'll never grasp who the king is. So how do we become who we were meant to be? How does Nicodemus do it? Well, John chapter 3 the, the chapter of John, right, the heart of the gospel of John, tells us that unless we are born again, unless something so radically new and different happens within us that we become entirely new people, we'll miss everything. You'll miss it. You'll be like Nicodemus reading the Bible. John, Jesus says in John 6, he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you will find eternal life, but it is they that testify of me. Jesus is talking to people steeped in the Bible, and he says, unless you realize who I am, Jesus, the Son of God, come to die for your sins, unless you see that, you'll miss everything. And not only will you not spend eternity with God, you will never become who you were meant to be. You'll be like a boat on the ocean whose sails are never unfurled. The wind of the Spirit will never fill the sails and take you to where you are meant to go. And that's exactly what Jesus is driving at. He says, the spirit blows about like wind. And what's supposed to happen is the sails of our souls are meant to catch the spirit's movement and to carry us where we're supposed to go so we can become who we were meant to be. And Jesus is looking at Nicodemus and saying, unless you see that, unless you come to me, you'll never understand life. It'll slip through your hands. So what needs to happen is not just, we need to think about it more. (laughs) You know, Nicodemus is certainly a smart man, but it's not something his mind can do only. Something inside of him has to shift. So let's find out exactly how this shift happens and how we become who we were meant to be. Well, look at John chapter 2. So this is important to look at the broader context. Often when you look at a teaching of Scripture, and if you look in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25, really set the stage for this conversation with Nicodemus. It says this in John 2, 23, right above our passage. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name, that is Jesus, many believed in Jesus when they saw the signs that he was doing, right? Those miraculous things, those declaratory things we've learned about. So many believe in him because they see the signs. But verse 24 says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And then look at verse 3-1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees. You see, what's happening is as Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God and explaining grace to people and talking about how he is the Messiah and revealing himself for the end of time as the king, as Jesus is coming and preaching the kingdom of God, it says that he does not entrust himself to man because he knows the darkness in our hearts. And so that begs the question then, when a man comes to Jesus and Jesus starts revealing himself, Uh, The big question surrounding Nicodemus is, is Nicodemus actually grasping what Jesus is talking about? 
is Jesus revealing himself and trusting himself, or is he not fully revealing himself to Nicodemus? You know, I don't know that John's going to give you the answer, but I think all around the story of Nicodemus, you need to be asking, is this a person who has come to know the resurrected Lord Jesus? This isn't the only time Nicodemus is going to show up in the story. And a few chapters later, uh, the Pharisees and the rulers are going to say we should put Jesus to death. And Nicodemus pipes up and he says, do we kill somebody without giving him at least a trial first? You know, not necessarily a statement of faith on Nicodemus's part, but at least he's sticking up for Jesus. And then as you read the Gospel of John in John 19, when Jesus is crucified, and then later on when there's the uh, burial of Jesus's body, you may remember a man named Joseph of Arimathea comes and takes the body of Jesus and he puts him in his own tomb. But you know what John tells us? Only John tells us about this man named Nicodemus. And John alone mentions that Nicodemus helped Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body to be buried. Now, does Nicodemus come to faith in Jesus? We don't know. But I think that's John's point. is because you and I are meant to see ourselves in this story. Am I going to believe in Jesus Or am I just going to sort of understand that somehow he's sent from God? Somehow he's important, right? I mean, isn't that like the hedging your bet kind of safe option that everybody takes? Well, Jesus is a really good guy, right? Yeah, he's great. He changed the world. He says a lot of nice things. But son of God, died for my sins, ruler of the world, in charge of every area of my life, including my finances and my sexuality, And my retirement, I don't know about all that, but Jesus is a good guy. Well, that's very similar to how Nicodemus approaches Jesus. Look at verse one with me. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, that is uber-religious people, named Nicodemus. And he was a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was one of the most important men around. And this man came to Jesus by night. And notice what he calls him. He says, Rabbi, which was completely respectful Teacher, he says, teacher, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he starts off with a measure of understanding, right? That Jesus is somehow vaguely important, right? He doesn't say, you're a prophet, we all get it. He doesn't say, you are the prophet that the Old Testament prophesies about. And he doesn't say, you're the Messiah, What he says is, yeah, God sent you. That's cool. You can do some neat things. So who are you exactly? And there's a whole lot of questions about why Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night. I don't know if you notice that little detail in verse two, but details are sometimes important. And anytime John, the author of this gospel, talks about nighttime or night, it almost always carries with it sort of spiritual darkness, misunderstanding, or bad things. So the other times that John will mention night, right, is when the disciples can't catch any fish. It happens at night. But in the morning, and when they see Jesus back from the dead, when the light comes, then they catch the fish. And then, of course, when Judas betrays Jesus at the Last Supper, and when Jesus hands him the morsel of food and says, friend, go do what you were meant to do, it says Jesus got up and left at night. And of course, John chapter one tells us that Jesus is the light of the world, but the darkness does not understand it. 
So is Nicodemus trying to avoid being seen by other people? Is he embarrassed that he's going to Jesus and doesn't want the other rulers to see him? I'm not sure I would go there. I think what John is really driving at is Nicodemus is spiritually in the dark. He does not know who he is. He does not understand who Jesus is. And so in darkness at nighttime, right, he comes to Jesus, the light of the world. And he says, I know somehow you're vaguely associated with God. I know you're a teacher, right? You teach good things. You've got some signs. You've done some miraculous things that I've heard about, but I don't really know who you are. So what does Jesus respond with? We'll look at verse 3. Jesus says to him, amen, 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 truly, truly, however you want to say it, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a pretty powerful statement, right? I mean, this is a question that we should all be asking ourselves. Do we see the kingdom of God? And it's kind of a, a funny way. We don't really talk about the kingdom of God very much. But let me just sort of give you the best definition that I can for what the kingdom of God is. Of all of Jesus' preaching topics, of all the things Jesus came to proclaim, the kingdom of God is the number one theme Jesus ever talks about. And what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom means that there is a king, somebody in charge, and this is God's kingdom. So who is the king? Well, Jesus, who is God, has entered his world, and he now reigns. And the easiest way I can explain the kingdom is just with the simple word cap, C-A-P. And I learned this from a theologian named John Frame. And the kingdom, right, refers to three things, control, authority, presence, C-A-P, control, authority, presence. It'd be great to write that down in your Bible if you're that kind of person. And the kingdom is Jesus's control over our world and over our lives, The kingdom is Jesus's authority to tell us what to do and to determine for us right and wrong. That's Jesus's authority. Remember, what does Jesus say after the resurrection and the great commission? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then the last thing is Jesus's presence, which we now have given to us through the spirit, which moves through his people like the wind through sails on a boat. So to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, right? to see the kingdom of God, to enter into the kingdom of God, we have to believe that Jesus is the king and that he has total control over our lives. He has total authority over what we do and what we believe. And he is always present with us. Behold, I am with you until the end of the age. So Christian, are you living in the kingdom? Are you? Do you give Jesus total control over every area of your life? Do you yearn for his authority? Do you say, Jesus, you determine the steps of my feet. You have the right to do whatever you want with my life. My life is rubbish compared to following you. And then the great beauty of the kingdom is that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is present with us through everything. In all of our darkest moments, the spirit is with us. But the only way we can understand how Jesus can be in control of our lives and have the authority that he has and dwell within our spirits with his Holy Spirit is if we understand who the king is. 
if we see him for who he is. And Nicodemus can't do that yet. You're already like light years ahead of Nicodemus in this story, which is why John's telling us this story, right? We can see what he doesn't see. And so Jesus tells him, he says, look in verse three, in order to experience God's control, authority, and presence in your life, to bow the knee to the king of the kingdom, you have to be born again. You have to be born from above, born completely new from within. And of course, Nicodemus, who himself is an old man, as verse four suggests, right? Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old, right? He understands that Jesus is saying, unless you are born again, Nicodemus, this old man in verse four, says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Of course, there's this outside chance, right, that he doesn't understand what a metaphor is. I highly doubt that, considering he is the teacher of Israel and the Bible is full of metaphors like that. I think instead what Nicodemus is really getting at is, wait a second, you're telling me, the teacher of Israel, steeped in the scriptures, that I've got to admit that I've got nothing to bring to the table, and then I have to start all over again like a newbie? (laughs) I've got to humble myself and act like I'm a convert for the first time? You're telling me I've got to do all that? How can that happen? You're going to tell me what? To get back in my mom's wound, please. And what does Jesus answer with? Again, he says, truly, truly. That's Jesus' way of saying, what I'm saying is of utmost important, uh, importance. Verily, verily, maybe how your translation says it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you look at verses four and five, those really parallel each other. What does it mean, right, to be born again in verse three? Well, then he says to be born of water and the spirit in verse five. And really, those are just explaining the same idea, that to come to God in faith through Jesus, believing that Jesus is the promised Messiah, to put your faith in him, that he died for your sins and came back from the dead to show you that you can live forever with him, to come to faith in Jesus like that, It's as if God's spirit were water pouring down all over you, making you clean, having all of your sins forgiven. You've been washed clean. God holds no sin against you any longer. God has no more wrath against you because his wrath fell on Jesus. God has nothing but love and acceptance for you. He brings you into the family. His spirit resides with you. That's the offer of grace to be made new. The Old Testament is full of of illusions and images of this. In Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel says in this beautiful passage, let me read it to you, it's just so great. I know a lot of you haven't read Ezekiel in a while, so I'll have to jog your memory. But this is what God promises. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart Then a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. In Jeremiah 31, which Nicodemus should know, right? 
He's the teacher of Israel. And in Jeremiah 31, God promises this day, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with them and their fathers on the day when I took them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Instead, this covenant I make with them will be for all days, and I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And I will remember their sins no more. Another ancient prophet, Joel, which the New Testament quotes in the book of Acts, explains it this way. And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, the Old Testament is full of prophecies. Of movements towards this day that God's spirit would pour down like rain. (laughs) That it would pour out like water on dry land. It would pour out like water on a dry, stale sponge. And it would seep with life. And it would be clean. And Jesus is saying, I am bringing that day here. I am the king. I am ushering in the kingdom of God. (laughs) And if you believe in me, it'll be like the spirit of God has moved through the sails of your soul. And you'll go where you are meant to go and you'll become who you are meant to become. See, everything in the Old Testament is leading up to this. Jeremiah, Joel, Ezekiel, all of these Old Testament prophets are looking forward to this day that God's spirit would be poured out on all people. And and, in Nicodemus, right, look at verse 10. He says, are you the teacher of Israel in verse 10 and yet you do not understand these things? He says in verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. See, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, don't you see what Scripture is always pointing towards? Didn't you see it? Well, what's the problem? Why doesn't he see it? Let me just finish with this. Look at verse 6 and 7. He says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. I think we get that, right? People are born people. But to know Jesus in this profound way, to be who you are always meant to be, you've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be made new from the inside out. And Jesus says, don't marvel, don't be surprised that I'm telling you this. Don't marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, to have this new life, you know, to become who you are meant to be, um, it doesn't matter if you are as smart as Nicodemus, if you know the Bible as well as Nicodemus. What matters is do you respond to the Spirit? What good is a sailboat if the sails can't hold any wind? What good is a sailboat if the top mast has no sails on it? Friend, are you responsive to the Spirit? 
It's not enough just to know. Look at verse 12. Responding to the Spirit isn't just knowing about Jesus, that he's important, that he's somehow affiliated with God. What's important is knowing Jesus and believing in him, that he is the king of the kingdom. Look at verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I then tell you heavenly things? You see, Jesus' goal is not that Nicodemus would be 5% smarter or know the Bible 5% better. His goal is that he would be full of the Spirit, that he would see Jesus. So I don't know, what do you think? Can an old man change his mind? Is there any hope for any of those old codgers out there in Jacksonville? With the Spirit, you better believe it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, uh, we know that you are at work within us. Uh, We don't know where you are always going in our lives. Uh, We don't know where you come from. But Lord, we know the effects of the wind. Father, we pray that your spirit uh, would fill the sails of everyone who needs them filled. Uh, Lord, that people would not just know about your son, but they would believe in him. And Father, we pray that this whole church would be filled with your spirit. Amen.